Hello friends, just a quick editing note. For the first bit of this episode, I had my microphone feed in the wrong input, so if the audio quality on my end is not great, just bear with us, I get it fixed here pretty quickly. And yeah, we appreciate ya, enjoy this week, and we'll catch ya next time. Warning. The following contains audio of two good friends attempting to discuss music with no qualifications whatsoever. No one asked for this, but you're going to get it. There will be shitty hot takes, terrible opinions, and impressions done poorly. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, friends. We are back. Back again. Back again here at the brood book in front of a, a lovely fireplace today. We are. We have a, a change of uh, scenery, location, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we're on couches and nice chairs this time. We have a geography table here in case we want to know where Australia is at. So that's fun. We also have brownies and rice krispie treats. And today's mug is actually, you know, a biohazard mug from the wonderful folks at the Iowa State University microbiology department so if there's anybody from there listening shout out to you today this is not a sponsored post can i can i ask what the rivalry is between iowa state and iowa city i just assume because they're both teams in iowa and there's only room for one team in iowa it's the same thing in new mexico we have university of new mexico and new mexico state university and they're often at odds so just typical wars in this town, or in this case, state. If there's anybody, obviously, as we are recording in Iowa, if there's anybody listening in Iowa who wants to confirm or deny, please let us know. Yeah, please. I, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan, but I've never gotten sports rivalries like that. Like, you're in my state, so I hate you. And it's like, no, it's just a big state. You can have a couple teams in there if you really want to. And I feel like at that, geographically, speaking of geography, I wasn't that big. I feel like geography-wise, I was a pretty small state. So maybe they're just like, not enough room for two of us. You know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, we're firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, either way, if somebody has it, yeah, we'll, we'll try and figure out the geography of it. I was a pretty average state in a lot of regards. Also size, so, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. That'll be for mailbag, maybe. Yes, I'm glad you actually bought up the mailbag because uh, we're, we have a pretty consistent little viewership now. I know we study our little analytics. Oh, I said that right today. We are running on all. Yeah, go me. <laughs> we look at those. Those are important. And we see that, you know, a couple of you have stuffing around since, the, you know, doing hip hop in the bathroom. So we thank you. We appreciate you. And we kind of wanted to make this a little bit more interactive now that we actually have people. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude here, but you said analytics, and then immediately after you said stuck in instead of stuck around. <laughs> stuck around, excuse me. I fucked it up too. You know, we're doing great. We are fantastic. Top tier professionals. You brought your microphone today. Congratulations. So yeah, with that mailbag, I did want to offer up just some quick points of discussion, some things that have really gotten my goat music-wise, because uh, we touch on a lot of things off the record. We chat like pals pretty frequently, so... Uh, one of the things I did want to touch about is a discovery that I made over this weekend that I talked to you about in lengthy voice memos <laughs> on my drive back from St. Louis this weekend. Because um, everyone I've asked about this has had like the same answer, which confirms to me that I'm not crazy and MTV just sucks. <laughs> so uh, basically, I like to listen to a podcast uh, 
I feel like I've mentioned it on this podcast. That was kind of the impetus. Uh, it's called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s by Rob Harvilla. Um, he's actually doing 90 songs now, which is great. Uh, but anyways, I'm going to make this short. Uh, he did an episode on Yellow Lead Better by Pearl Jam, which is a song I'd never heard before, which is great. Great song. Love Eddie Better. We've mentioned him before on this podcast as well. Um, and yeah, uh, I went down a Pearl Jam rabbit hole, and one of my favorite songs from Pearl Jam is Jeremy. And I know that song has kind of a controversial lore to it because it's one of the music videos that was banned on MTV, or at least banned for like... I want to say viewing hours. I think that's how I described it to you, like regular business hours. <laughs> and so it was only played during like midnight to 4 a.m. Because it was just so gnarly. And everyone I'd ask about it is like, what is that music video about? Like, why was it banned? And everybody, including yourself here, who I asked about it, was like, oh, isn't it about like a school shooter? Which in the 90s was kind of taboo. Which I would like to add. The only reason I knew that is because you had told me that in the past. I, I, I've never seen the video. But that was the only notion that I had about that song or video. Yeah. And so anyone else I ask is like, what is this music video about? And they're like, yeah, it's about a school shooter, which is the general consensus, I feel like, especially with the imagery that played out on MTV. Because, you know, the music video kind of details tragedy that happened in this small town and this little boy that's getting abused and bullied by everybody. And the music video ends with the little boy walking into the classroom and on MTV, he walks into the classroom, and then the next frame is, like, children being, like, covered in blood. So you automatically assume, like, oh, he just went and got everyone's ass. So <laughs> not great. And I can understand why that was controversial to be shown for public consumption at normal viewing hours. But on this podcast, 60 Songs That Explain the 90s, the host was saying that uh, it wasn't enough for MTV just to, like, ban this video, but they also edited it. And I went and I looked up the unedited version of Jeremy, the music video, and there is such a striking image that completely changes the perception of the video. Uh, in the video, the unedited one, uh, the small child, Jeremy, he goes into the classroom, and then there's a visual of him sticking a pistol into his mouth, and then the frame of the children, blood going everywhere. So that's a completely different connotation than him going up and shooting at the school. He just shot up himself, which is terrible and really sad and still like a poignant thought in its own way but just the fact that mtv grossly distorted that intention and what that artistic vision from eddie vetter and friends was trying to say today in like 2023 is just bananas right yeah because that is two completely different topics whether you're talking about a school shooting or a person wanting to die committing suicide those are two vastly different topics yeah that is wild that they cut the video like just cut that part in specific because yeah, that is two completely different ideas entirely. Yeah, so I kind of want to throw it over to you guys that are listening. Uh, did you did you know that Jeremy, the music video, was about this? And maybe you, unlike me, had seen the unedited version prior, because I hadn't seen that video since the last time I watched it on MTV, like, 20 years ago. So that was shocking to me. It was a big revelation that I felt like you needed to know about mid-drive. And yeah, um, any thoughts that you have? Anything for the mailbag coming up that you wanted to pose to the people? Uh, no, not off the top of my head, if I'm being honest with you. I'm I'm open to any and all questions, though. I, uh, nothing that I can think of that I'm like, what do you think about this? At least not right now. Um, I'm sure maybe in hindsight, I'll think about this podcast at like 8 p.m. tonight and think like, oh, I could have asked this, I could have asked that, but oh well. <laughs> Ask me anything. Anything music related, at least, because we still want to be on topic for, for our mission, our goal here. 
don't ask us geography questions or anything. Don't ask me to solve your math, all right? <laughs> Go to coolmath.com for that, pals. Is that a real site? Yeah, have you never heard of coolmath.com? That was like the spot in like fifth grade. They had like all the fun games and just, that was one of the sites that wasn't blocked on the school computers. Like that was it. I don't remember this at all, but we're going to talk about my childhood a little bit today. So I'm sure this selective memory will come into play a little bit. Absolutely. And great segue there. You're just killing it with the segues today. Uh, today's theme, the two albums that we were getting into today were the albums that we first bought with our own human money. So us as living, breathing humans in this world existing, you know, you get allowances and whatnot as you grow older. Uh, and you buy stuff with that money and you get to learn the concept of money and what things actually cost. And back in our days, uh, we didn't have streaming and things like that that were so readily available now, which is a great luxury. You actually had to buy albums or songs off of iTunes or like just the struggle was real. So with our own human monies, we went ahead and we bought these albums. I will say like in hindsight, I do. This is the one of the only times I'll sound like an old man in terms of this stuff. But having CDs and stuff was very, very nice. If <laughs> I feel like you're probably in the same boat. I've been interested in getting a vinyl player, honestly. Just kind of pop on when I'm reading at home, maybe some classical or something like that. But yeah, I do miss CDs, but that's just the collector in me. Because Spotify is objectively better. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think for myself personally, too, because I didn't grow up with a lot of money, when I actually like spent the money on a CD, when I actually bought a CD, that's how you know that I really liked it. Because... Uh, I didn't have a lot of money to go around, so the fact that I was willing to just spend my hard-earned allowance money on this stuff was a big deal. So I didn't have a lot of CDs that I bought myself, but the ones that I did, I'm like, it's because I really like this shit. So yeah, today um, I decided to give Drake the very first hip-hop album that I bought with my own human dollars, and that is none other than, drumroll please, da-da-da-da-da, John Cena's 2005 album, You Can't See Me. Uh, it's an interesting thing as a, a hip-hop fanatic whenever I have discussions with other hip-hop heads. And I think I mentioned this last week as well, where we talk about these things. And they're like, oh, what's the, like the first record you ever bought? And people are like, oh, Dr. Dre or oh, Tupac or oh, 50 Cent. People that we've talked about at length at this podcast. And then meanwhile, I have to stare these people in their eyes. I have to look at them with full honesty and go, John Cena, you can't see me 2005. And then I have to apologize immensely for my lack of street cred then on forward. <laughs> well, I will say there's no apology necessary for you giving me this album this week. I very much enjoyed it. I My first impression of it was, I will say my first impression of it was it was pretty nostalgic to be sent back. Because the very first track is John Cena's um, theme song, which is great. It has stood the test of time. There are plenty of memes that are involving John Cena's theme song, uh, which that was great. And I, I would say just in general, I'm a huge John Cena fan. Um, I'm, I almost said the word Mark there, but I, I hate that term. I hate it so much. It's just this, I'll get on my soapbox for a little bit, but Mark is just such a derogatory term. Like, God forbid people are excited about things and happy about things and people just go like, you're a Mark. Like, no, like, I mean, yeah, but like, I'm just also excited about things like the way it's yeah it's just these people just go fuck yourself like <laughs> I'm happy to enjoy things but yeah and then after that it immediately takes <laughs> a hard left into a song entitled don't fuck with us uh which I'm going to dissect at length by the way but before I get into that musically the album reminded me of 
the things that I loved about the Tupac album. Like, I thought it really showcased how much respect John Cena had for rap in general because I wasn't... Because, like I said on the last one, I had listened to it maybe once before, but I, I don't remember um, how it sounded at all. So when I heard it, and of course after... I mean, how many podcasts have we done? Like five or six? Five or six albums now. Like, I understand how rap has sounded in the 90s, and clearly John Cena has listened to rap and respects rap because he did a very good job with, uh, I assume the trademark was the lead beat guy. The trademark, fun fact, was actually his cousin, who was also like an independent rapper there in Boston. So I think it's really cool for Cena to like give him the rub and be like, I have this platform, I'm able to make this album, and I know that you like making this music as well, so I'm going to give you a platform as well. Because I also wondered at the time, I was like, who is the trademark? Like, who is this person? It is actually his cousin. So shout out to John Cena for being cool and letting his cousin hop on that album with him. That is really awesome. I didn't know that. I'm glad I asked, but... Yeah, he clearly has a respect for the genre of rap, and it wasn't just like... Because I think my main worry going into it was that he was only doing the album because at this point in his career, he was still the doctor of thugonomics. I wasn't sure how serious it was going to be, but I thought he took it very seriously. But yeah, that was my first impression of it. Um, the song, uh, Don't Fuck With Us, might be my favorite song on the album. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into detail why. Um, Before you do... I don't want to cut you off, but I remember being very excited to be like, at the time, the biggest draw for me was hearing John Cena say the word fuck. And even then, my mom wouldn't let me get the explicit version because, you know, I had like the parental advisory sticker on it. So she's like, no, you have to get the edited version. So I was really disappointed. But then when I got older, when I got the means of listening to the unedited version, did not disappoint. Hearing John Cena say fuck is top tier. It is very top tier. I will say that's not the reason why I enjoyed it so much. Um, there, it's not just this song, and it's probably other songs on the album too. There are a lot of sports references on it, and there is something so, such a deep pleasure for me just hearing random people's, like random sports names that I haven't heard in quite some time. I remember what I went to see Journey about a week ago now uh, at the Mark, which was a great show. But before, before we went there, me and my buddy were talking about like what Journey songs we knew. Because we're not like huge fans of them, but Journey was 10 minutes away. We have to go see them on their 50th anniversary run. And I like some of their songs. And we were naming songs from Journey. And we also got into the topic of Japanese baseball players because the World Baseball Classic final was that night. And we named more Japanese baseball players than we did Journey songs. <laughs> but... That's all to say, I, I think it's just nostalgic that I hear all these sports names I haven't heard before. So I'm going to go through some of them here, uh, all the ones that I wrote down. Um, I think it was on Flow Easy. Uh, he referenced Jordan, which I won't go into that one into detail because everyone knows Jordan. Uh, and he also referenced Carmelo Anthony, which is an underrated one. He is a prolific uh, scorer. And he also mentioned the Lakers team in general in full and Shaq. But my favorite on Don't Fuck With Us was he referenced Fernando Valenzuela, which if I remember correctly, it was like throwing heat like Fernando Valenzuela. I have not heard this guy's name in so long, and he's such a good pitcher. I wrote it down. I'm sure nobody gives a shit about this, but he was a southpaw for the Dodgers. He was one of the few to use a screwball. He's a six-time All-Star. He won the Cy Young and the Rookie of the Year in the same year, the only person to do that, I think. Uh, he has the highest war, which is wins above re replacement for any Mexican-born player, which I think is awesome. And he became a naturalized citizen in 2015, 
which is also an amazing accomplishment because I don't know how much work goes into that, but I assume it's a lot and it's hard. And I have a ton of respect for that when people go and become naturalized. That's super cool. Um, but yeah, in case anybody wanted his Wikipedia portfolio, that is what I'm here for. But I was super stoked to hear the name for Van- Fernando Valenzuela because that is not a name I hear often. That is fantastic. I'm so glad that you decided to clue us in on this because I was like, this is fascinating. This is the shit that I live for. Like just the completely niche references in rap that like only certain people will get like you yourself like i didn't know who this gentleman was i just knew he had a cool name and i was like he's throwing heat because john cena is using him in an analogy but i don't know anything else so i just learned something today i don't the people at home because this is a audio only podcast i was astounded i was looking at drake with the utmost wonder i was like this is fantastic and also i'm a dingus we're doing great um i just realized that up until this point i was recording from my laptop microphone I was wondering why I was still picking up feedback even though you were talking because like my light was red while you were talking and usually when my light is red you are talking and I am not and I was like still getting sound so I was like what is happening and now I fixed it we're doing great so if the audio was funky up until this point on my end we're professionals it's fine you're able to hear Drake fine I'm sure and that's what matters (laughs) so I forgot my mic last week and mic troubles on your end this week we are on a hot streak right now, much like Fernando Valenzuela throwing heat. <laughs> but I will say for the main event here, I have one more reference in this song, Don't Fuck With Us, which I think is going to appeal more to the demographic of who listens to this, because there's a lot of wrestler friends and wrestler fans who know us, right? In this song, there's a line, or a stanza, beefing with us, we're leaving you face down, stomping bitch rappers like I'm straight out of A-Town, John Cena is facing Austin Theory at WrestleMania. We're recording this five days before it's six days. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It blew my mind because now I'm certain Austin Theory has listened to John Cena's rap album. And he foreshadowed this in some way because John Cena in this line is saying, like, like he's straight out of A-Town. I want to make sure I got that right. So John Cena is coming out of A-Town. Austin Theory is feuding with John Cena, which I assume he knew was going to happen at some point. His finisher is called A-Town Down, and his song starts out with A-Town Down as well. So I, th- that seems like impeccable foreshadowing that I, I don't believe that I'm making up completely because that seems too much of a coincidence for Austin Theory not to use that. I think, honestly, it is just like the wildest sense of, of coincidence, and I'll explain why. Because uh, Austin Theory is actually from Atlanta, Georgia. And so people from Atlanta will say, like, A-Town down. So I think it's just an incredible turn of events that this is a, a accumulated. Because I don't think, you know, Austin Theory, 10-year-old, maybe he did, in, like, Atlanta, Georgia, was, like, listening to John Cena's album. And I was like, that's me. I'm also from the A-Town. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to face you at WrestleMania. Like, LOL, okay, bud. And yeah, here we are. Like, life is crazy. Like, that is incredible. An incredible discovery. Um, I think we're going to leave you, the listener. We're going to try something different this episode because uh a few of our listeners are our good friend travis travis horn and my good friend tony davis who listened to this podcast thank you guys uh they gave us a suggestion to kind of give you guys an opportunity to listen to these songs as we are talking about them because we don't have the rights to play them for you right now so uh i think we'll just give you guys an opportunity real quick to pause listen to don't fuck with us by john cena and then we'll carry on so go on get Go listen to the song right now. See, wasn't that such a great song? (laughs) 
yeah, but I, I, I will still say my head cannon is Austin Theory listened to that song and created this whole persona off of it. I just I I refuse to believe that he's from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> but that is my deep analysis of that song. I do hope you enjoyed it uh, listening to it. I will say there were other songs too. I'm not. I go back and forth because right now has such a good message too. That's one of my favorite tracks. I don't know if anybody has read. I haven't read all of John Cena's books, but I, le- I read one of his books, which for the life of me, I can't remember the name of. But it's a very like positivity style book, which is great. And that's what I got from right now because I could have quoted the whole song, but there's one line that's like, "Show some love. It's what you're supposed to do." And I'm like, "You're right, John. Like, let me let me go spread some love around. Like, this is such a nice song because like." It's not even like a rap thing. This is irrespective of any genre. Any genre that any song that talks about happiness and joy is very hard to come by. I feel like it's not a usual topic because a lot of songs are about sadness and being sad and being hurt, which is understandable. But it's also nice to get a song like this every once in a while. It has to be either of those two or the very last track, uh, If It All Ended Tomorrow, is also one of my favorites. Because that, I mean, I'm a big piano guy. I like classical music and my, the music that I listen to. I like classical music in general, but anytime it's infused into anything that I listen to is so much fun for me because it just adds another layer to it. But yeah, the piano on this is super good. And I thought it had a, what am I looking for here? Like <sighs> the atmosphere, I guess bittersweet for the lack of a better term. Like it's kind of happy, but kind of sad and forlorn all the same. But yeah, I really like that, which I think leads into musical quality, which I thought was also very good. Um, because there was a song, I'm pretty sure it was Beantown, that has, like, a guitar in it as well. Was well, Okay, I was right on that one. Um, yeah, the, like, it had guitars, it had pianos, and as I aforementioned with uh, the comparison to Tupac, like, the actual beats and stuff were very reminiscent to the simplicity of what Tupac did. And it's one of the things I loved about that album. Like, it was very straightforward, because in, in my old age, <laughs> I have gotten really tired of overly intricate stuff, because it's just... At a certain point, it just feels like it's not necessary. I mean, there's a reason why Metallica is one of the most popular heavy metal bands of all time. Because, I mean, James Hetfield literally said it like five days ago where it was like, we're all really average musicians. But it's just they create really good songs. And that's all you really need to do at the end of the day. Because, I don't know, just intricate for the sake of intricate is not exciting to me. Like, I know people are talented. That's great. But I don't need to hear it all the time. Because a lot of times it's to the disservice of the song that people were showing off their talent. But that is all to say, I really enjoyed the simplistic beats on this album as much as I did Tupac. And I also love the vocals on it. Um, I think John Cena has a really nice voice. He can also play piano, by the way. I totally forgot about that because on Peacemaker, he has that section where he's just playing a piano uh, verse or something. Oh, you don't remember that? That was a great uh, part of that show. No, I definitely remember which part. I just thought that that was something they did did in post, or like I didn't know that was actually him playing it, like for Shutsky. <laughs> like, so that's amazing. What what can that man do? Like, I he's out here doing credit commercials. He's you know doing things in Peacemaker. I was gonna use other words, but they escaped me. You if you watch Peacemaker, you know what I mean. You know, I don't need to elaborate. <laughs> but that's just astounding. He's a legend. Doesn't he also speak like Mandarin or Chinese or something? Or at least the smattering of one of those? Yeah, he does. Because I know WWE has a big market there in China. So that was a thing because he was like their guy. Is still their guy? Question mark. Uh, So yeah, that was like one of the things that he did is like learn Mandarin so he can speak with... uh, Because I think China's the second or 
second most populated country in the world it's a something like that geography back again but yeah that's incredible yeah i i mean i'm pretty sure he can play piano or at least what he did on that show because there were no camera cuts and it looked like his hands because i mean he has very large forearms they're hard to mistake so i feel like that was him don't quote me on it i could be dead wrong but you got beefy yams for forearms john can't miss them all right well this has been lovely my friend thank you for the, the sports trivia and anything else yeah i will just say to wrap it all up this was a very fun trip down memory lane that i hope he goes back to because now that he is doing peacemaker and train wreck and raunchy comedies and of that style like i could totally see him going back to something like this because when he came became the superhero on wwe like <laughs> the type of content was not appropriate but hopefully he goes back to it because it's kind of like uh daniel bryan did a book and it was great like i think he's a natural writer but i don't know if he's ever going to go back to it I really hope he does someday because, yeah, this was a, a fun listen. Like, he respected the genre. He did a good job with it, and I thought it was great. And I would also like to add one thing as well. Uh, Bumpy Knuckles is probably my new favorite rap name. I will say, though, if it's something sexual, I'm going to be pretty upset. I don't feel like it is, but I agree. Bumpy Knuckles is a top-tier rap name, especially, like, in Bad Mad Man. He's like, it's Bumpy Knuckles, baby, and you're about to meet the bad, bad man. And I'm like, you're damn right, Bumpy Knuckles. What's up? Can't confirm. Great rap name. I, I am glad to hear it's not sexual, but I can never be too sure about these things in culture anymore. Everything's so sexual to me, so I don't know. I don't know if people enjoy Bumpy Knuckles. I feel like that's not something people would enjoy, <laughs> but you never know. Well, if you enjoy Bumpy Knuckles, hit up Drake. Let him know what's up. Don't hit me up. Hit Bumpy Knuckles up. I don't want any of that. All right, friends, we have managed to gain our composure back. And, yeah, Drake, if you want to clue in the people on what I have partaken in this week. Yeah, so <clears throat> I would actually like to start this with, I, I shudder to call this a funny story. I'm going to call it an, an anecdotal story, where this album that I'm giving you today was not the first album I planned to buy, because the album I gave it to you was Hypocrisy's Virus, which is still a great album. The first album that I planned to buy was Shadows Fall, The War Within, which we'll discuss them at a later point. I don't remember when or where this happened, but we were at a music shop. I'm pretty sure I was on vacation somewhere with my family, and I was really stoked about The War Within because The Art of Balance had come out before it, and The War Within was like a really hyped up album. I was super stoked about it, and I remember being at the CD shop and having it, and one of my brothers, I still don't know which one of my brothers it was, walks up to me takes out of my hands and he runs away and he got it instead and my first reaction was that's not right but then my second reaction because i'm a dumb child and i don't know anything besides my family was well i guess that's how this is now <laughs> this is this is life this is how it works right that's the business brother <laughs> yeah so not the first album i planned to buy but this was the first album that i did buy was hypocrisy's virus which like i said is still a very good album I also have kind of a sad story with this one because I bought it. And, of course, we're talking about still CDs because this is 2005. Again, I have no knowledge of how I bought it, but I remember buying it online and it shipped out to me. And when I got it in the mail, like, the CD case was, like, shattered and cracked. And I was like, damn, I guess buying my first album was just cursed from the start. But either way, to introduce this album, uh, this is the 10th studio album from Hypocrisy, which 
is wild. They had so many albums already at that point, but I remember that blew me away as a kid too. When I found that out, I was like, Oh, I'm just found, I just found this new great band. And then it's just all these albums. I'm like, Oh, I guess I was late to the party, but they are a Swedish melodic death metal band, which is a huge style of music that originated in Gothenburg, Sweden. It was around the time Dark Tranquility and At the Gates and In Flames started, which I want to say was late 80s, early 90s. Because um, I'm pretty sure Hypocrisy was late to the party on that anyways. They were like more death metal early on. But I do think this was where the seeds were planted for what I enjoyed later in life, which is melodic death metal and metalcore. And it was also my first foray into the genre into the extreme metal side of this genre because this heavy metal's all over the place there's so many different things because at this point i was only listening to lincoln park and creed fourth creed name drop of this podcast so uh, i'm interested to hear your thoughts absolutely and yeah going through this album was a ride and i don't say that in a derogatory sense nor is anything that I'm saying going forward in a derogatory sense? I want to preface that with a quick disclaimer for all you hypocrisy fans out there. Uh, first impressions, I'm going to actually get into the album art real quick because I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like that gave me an impression even before I even hit play. I was like, this is an album <laughs> by people. And with this being an audio-only platform, you can feel free to Google the album art at your leisure, or you can just listen to me poorly describe it to you. Either way, um, hypocrisy, virus. Uh, the way I can describe it is like we're in hell, and there's like a demon given birth to another demon, who's then given birth to another demon, who is then given birth to another demon. And then at the corner, another demon. So it's just... A lot of, lot of demonics happening right here. And it honestly <laughs> reminded me of like, did you ever read like the Animorphs books as a child? <laughs> That's exactly what it reminded me of because just, they just keep multiplying. But instead of them turning into people or turning into like panthers or something, it's just demons. Just demons on demons on demons on demons. So. Well, that is the virus. But I'm... T- I hate it here. I'm leaving. Goodbye. This is the last episode. This is my last manifesto. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Um, but <laughs> anyways, so then after this impression, uh, I went ahead and I hit play. And I said, I see. <laughs> and I mean that because I feel like I, this is something I've also touched on in previous weeks where my impression of like heavy metal or death metal or anything like that was very much a caricature of like these guys with long hair leather jackets almost look like raven from wcw are like just not yelling at you not really screaming at you but more so the old and i'm like cool <laughs> and and then that's the first impression that I got, I was like, oh, this is exactly the caricature that I imagined what this was. But not in a bad way, mind you. Again, not derogatory, but I'm like, this is exactly what I expected from exactly these people. I will say, I, I would like to give you my support, too, before any metalhead loses their goddamn mind here. This is the first, to my knowledge, that you have really gone into extreme growling and harsh vocal albums. So... This is a culture shock for anybody that's ever gotten into metal. So I, I'm with you. I, I support you, Maria. I appreciate you. Thank you for my endeavor into this valley of death. Um, yeah, and of course, with every album that I listen to, 
I try to take notes because if I try to remember everything off the top of my head, it's just not going to happen. And then we're going to have a five minute podcast. So um, with the first impression, I, in all caps, typed out heavy drums, heavy vocals, heavy, dot, 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 exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> just, just heaviness because that's always an abstract concept, isn't it? Where I often pose to you, I'm like, is this heavy? And listening to this album i feel like amongst all the albums that i've listened to i have a a better understanding of heaviness than i did before we started this project so in the same way where you kind of learn what the elements of hip-hop and rap are i feel like i'm starting to get you know the iggy on what's what's up with metal so i'm like heavy um and then i yeah as you had mentioned they are also swedish so i was very excited about that because our our good friends at opeth my good friend michael I also put in my notes, do you know my friend Michael? He probably doesn't. I feel like Sweden's a big country. Is it? I don't know. Not off the top of my head. <laughs> well, let's consult this map in front of us. Let's see what Sweden's all about. Truly. Like we have, you know, we have Algeria, we have France, we have Spain, North America. Regardless. <laughs> Another note that I had just for my first impression was like, man, this really seems like the kind of music that like Beavs and Butthead would just love. Like I was listening to like the first two tracks or so. And I just imagine like the gif of them just like jamming out and like rocking out or like them sitting on their couch and being like, this rules, man. And so, yeah, if, if there was any band so far that I feel like Beavs and Butthead would be like, this is sick. This, this is, this would be that time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I will go ahead and just go right into my favorite tracks so far. I, I did like Fearless a lot. I thought that was a really, uh, not so much a departure from the theme, because a thing that I did enjoy overall about this album was that it was very consistent, and I'll touch on that with my takeaway. But Fearless had like a, a certain guitar element that I thought was really interesting. And much like your Creed name drops, um, again, uh, I'm going to name drop Avenge Sevenfold. <laughs> and that's the second Avenge Sevenfold comparison I'm making to another band on this podcast. I, I had this thought the other day. I can't remember which one it was. Was it for Opeth that you compared Avenge Sevenfold to? It was, it was Pantero that I compared them to, like in terms of the riff and the guitar. And so again, the guitar on Fearless, I felt like, was also very Avenge Sevenfold guitar-y. Like, the shredding, like, the dee 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 That was a terrible shred, but <laughs> it was like a mouse shredding. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I, I did enjoy that. And then I also had put, for Fearless specifically, I'm like, WWE pay-per-view package material? Like, I don't know why I have the basis for songs like this, but I just think about it, and I'm like, would this make a good, like, wrestling video package? And I, it did. I was like, this is good. I feel like that time has long since passed, though, since metal would be involved in video packages. Now it's a lot of rap and stuff, which is fine, but metal was more, I was like early 2000s, late 90s. That was one Attitude Era. That was a real signature mark of the Attitude Era, for sure. Yeah, we need to bring that back, because not that I dislike the weekend because me and you both are, are are good fans of the weekend especially after that album i showed you some years prior but they're using one of his songs again for wrestlemania and it's just the song they use i just does not get me in the fighting mood it's very like slow and soft and i'm like abel the weekend love you you're amazing you're perfect i just you're just not a not a wrestlemania guy no i will say before i go off on that point a little more i thought when you said uh good and paused i thought you were about to say good friends with the weekend i was like we are not i wish i was but no good fans is much better yeah we're not gonna lie to the people 
But Michael, however, he's our good friend, obviously. Um, so yeah, I think for right now, I will let you go ahead and pause. Listen to Fearless by Hypocrisy on the album Virus. And uh, we'll see what you think. Is it pay-per-view package material? Do you get Avengers Sevenfold vibes? Who's to say? Go go ahead. Right now. Yeah, right now. All right. Totally right. You totally get where I'm coming from. You get it. You get it. Um, going further on this album, uh, again, man, heavy metal albums just continually have the coolest names for songs. Even like when the songs themselves are still objectively cool, but let the knife do the talking. That is so heavy, bro. I, I was just like in awe of like the blatant heaviness of it or like the blatant I don't want to say violence of it all, but just, you know, being very blatantly like, yeah, death, violence, blood. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> I shudder to even say this one out loud in a public place, but there is an, an actual lyric that he says, when you become my chainsaw butchered whore on this album, which is, that just describes pretty well what this, what this album is talking about. And it is very violent stuff. Oh, you don't need to tell me about that. We are going to get into that song specifically. I have a whole paragraph of that song because I was shook. I was, I feel like I'm desensitized to a lot of things, but oh, oh, we're going to get there. We're going to, don't think we're going to go by without me mentioning this because we will talk about that at length for good or for bad. Because if I had to hear it and if I had to experience it, by God, the people need to hear about it too, for better or for worse. Well, I do apologize for getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Because yeah, that is that's, this is not even one of my favorite songs. The album that is that that line right there is part of one of the reasons why it's not because I'm not usually into this stuff. But we will get into it more. Yeah, so that's a good segue, I suppose. Um, the song that Drake is referencing that I put at length into my notes is called "Blood Drenched." One word, all together. And my journey with this song didn't come <laughs> right away. It was a delayed response and i hate that for me uh because I, I often listen to these albums like when i'm working and so like my not to say that i'm not fully paying attention the entire time but like i'm vibing you know i'm doing things here and there with my hands physical labor whatever and the melody is actually quite nice on this song so it's like very misleading and so um to, to go back to Opeth real quick, I really enjoyed our good friend Michael and like how real he was with his lyrics and like really opening up his soul and his feelings. And I, I gravitated towards that. So when I was listening to Blood Drenched, I was half, you know, working, half listening as we do. And then oftentimes I'll go back and listen to the album again. But um, yeah, I was hearing the gentleman. We don't have a name for him. I don't know how to uh, pronounce his last name, but his name is Peter and his last name starts with a T. So I always call him Peter T. It's always the Peters. Always the Peters. So we're listening to Peter. He's singing. And I hear just a single, like a stray line, mind you. All right. And I'm going to unfortunately Google these lyrics again because, oh boy. Oh, thank you. I have it. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, the stray lyrics that I hear at first are, I cannot hide my feelings. My feelings tell me more. A sickness I've been given. A sickness that's so pure. And I'm like, oh, that's really profound. That's great. And so, like, he's still kind of growly and being like, oh, da 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 So I'm like, cool. I'm not catching all these things. That's fine. I'll just 
put that as like a little mental note that like, oh, he's talking about his feelings here. I'm going to have to look into that. And so my work day ends. I'm ready to just go to bed, live at 4 a.m. as I typically do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was going to check out like with the rest of these lyrics for this really profound and emotional soul bearing song. This is and my good friends on the Internet and beyond do not. Don't don't do that. Do not look up the lyrics for this song because the amount of horror and shock and shookethness that I held in my car at 4 a.m. outside of my house, I just had to take a second and just like sit and just realize everything that I had just read. Can I say, by the way, 4 a.m. was probably the worst possible time of the day for you to read these lyrics to because it is night pitch blackout and you're just reading about chainsaw butchered horse. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like before I'm about to go to bed too, like I'm ready to wind down. And now after hearing these lyrics about running and hiding, being butchered and violated and flesh eaten and yeah again i'm not gonna try and repeat any of these lyrics you can feel free to google at your leisure but i'm gonna kindly suggest maybe you don't <laughs> so that was the time of uh, the music at the time was sounded nice it's just like oh and and this is what it was so love that for me <laughs> i will say it's kind of funny hearing you say this because it reminds me of the time we were talking about 50 cent and you were talking to me about the pimp song and i was like no what's that about <laughs> So we both had our little moments of horrifying uh, things after we hear nice melodies or nice words or nice voices, and then it's just like, oh no, what is this? Absolutely. And then just like so explicitly violent this song was, and like, excuse me, not only violent, but like very explicitly like sexual as well, which is fine, all good and dandy. I just wasn't expecting it. And yeah, that was that was that. Uh, my takeaway <laughs> from this album was overall, I was happy that my overall impression at the beginning was correct. So at least I had a somewhat of an idea of what I was getting into when I got into the album. And yeah, I can definitely see the elements of like why why people enjoy it. Because like, of course, like the first song, like you said, a little bit like a culture shock and being like, oh, what is this? But once I got to like the fourth song, I was able to understand like what it was and be like, okay, like almost like get used to it. Like you're in a tub of hot water and then eventually you just kind of get used to the hot water and you're just chilling and you're like oh this is actually kind of nice so overall i admired the consistency and i can definitely see that it was like a product of its time and i appreciate the knowledge <laughs> of what i know about this album now <laughs> well i'm glad you put that in as nice of a way as you could <laughs> I, I was interested to hear what you thought because th this is not this is not normally what I listen to, I will say that. Um, I can say, too, like, if this didn't grab you as much, then I don't think you're going to like a lot of stuff that's mainly growling, because I actually think that this guy is one of the more clear vocalists and clear growlers, and, like, that's one thing I look for, because a lot of growlers are, as you said, they're hard to understand, um, and I just don't enjoy that, because the lyrics are such a huge part of why I listen to stuff, but I, I don't know. Again, maybe it could be one of the culture shock things, too, because, like, I still remember being kind of on the fence about the Tupac stuff, and then like 50 Cent rolled in, and I was like, this is nice, and so maybe it's just an acquired taste at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the basis of this podcast is all about exposing ourselves to things we wouldn't necessarily listen to to begin with. So I still enjoyed the exposure nonetheless. And yeah, 
Thanks for your time. <laughs> Alrighty. Thus ends another wonderful episode here at the Brood Book, live and in living color, not to be confused with Living Color the Band. Yeah, yeah, the thing that sounds right. I think we're we're good for today. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> I feel good. We we discussed a lot of things. We went from geography tables to baseball to uh, <laughs> blood drenched. <laughs> so I feel like we covered all the bases today. Absolutely. And uh, as we mentioned before, at the beginning of this episode, we will not be doing a theme next week. We'll actually be throwing it to you guys. If there's any thing music related that you know you want to throw our way, you want to get our thoughts on for whatever reason. I don't know why you would, but. <laughs> we're here we're your sounding board we would love to hear what you guys had in your mind if you have something maybe you want our opinion on in terms of albums songs artists let us know yeah yeah i hope the response is good for it because i am interested to hear what our uh 25 people viewership uh listenership thinks of this so yeah send those questions in i'm excited to hear them and see what you guys are thinking or what has been spawned off this podcast in your brain so let us know yes because from our brain meet to yours we want to hear about it uh we have lots of different fun little avenues where you can hit us up now uh we have a fun instagram page where you can message us or comment on posts with your questions it's at music maria and also drake on instagram very easy to find us um also if you wanted to get a little fun and creative we also have a feature on our anchor page if you go to anchor dot fm and look for our podcast uh you can leave us like a little voicemail if you listen on spotify and we can even play this voicemail on air so that's fun if you want your voice to be heard to the masses if not text is fine you can just message us and hopefully if they're not weird we'll answer them <laughs> don't be weird that's the only rule i didn't even know we had that feature on anchor either so that is really nice yeah yeah uh yeah don't be weird please don't shout at us those are about the only two parameters for these but I'm excited for it. All right, friends. Take care. Love each other. Don't Google the lyrics to that song. <laughs> and have a great day. You're great. Thanks for listening. Yeah, don't Google, don't Google those lyrics, but please Google Fernando Valenzuela throwing heat because it is a very fun site. Uh, thanks for listening, though. We'll see you next week.